0: book 6 chapter 15 of camilla this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by linda velwest camilla or a picture of youth by fanny burney book 6 chapter 15 an a quarter Thus, self-contained and almost in an agony, Camilla remained for a quarter of an hour, without any species of interruption, and in the greatest amazement that Lionel forbore pursuing her either with letter or message. Another violent ringing at the bell, but still without any carriage, then excited her attention, and presently the voice and steps of Lionel resounded upon the stairs, whence her name was with violence vociferated. She did not move, and in another minute he was rapping at her chamber door, demanding admittance, or that she would instantly descend. Alarmed for her open letter and papers, she inquired who was in the parlour. "'Not a soul,' he answered. "'I have left them all at the rooms.' "'Have you returned, then, twice?' "'No. I should have been here sooner, but I met two or three old cronies that would not part with me. Come, where's your letter?' "'Have you not seen what I have written?' Down upon this intimation he flew without any reply, but was presently back, saying he found nothing in the parlour except a letter to herself. Affrighted, she followed him, but not one of her papers remained. The table was cleared, and nothing was to be seen but a large packet addressed to her in a hand she did not know." she rang to inquire who had been in the house before her brother. The servant answered only Sir Sedley Clarendel, who he thought had been there still, as he had said he should wait till Mrs. Arlbery came home. "'Is it possible,' cried she, "'that a gentleman such as Sir Sedley Clarendel can have permitted himself to touch my papers?' Lionel agreed that it was shocking— but said the loss of time to himself was still worse. Without suffering her, therefore, to open her packet, he insisted that she should write another letter directly, adding he had met the baronet on his way from the rooms, but had little suspected whence he came, or how he had been amusing himself. Camilla now hung about her brother in the greatest tribulation, but refused to take the pen he would have put in her hands, and at last, not without tears, said, "'Forgive me, Lionel, but the papers you ought to have found would have explained that I cannot write for you to my uncle.' Lionel heard this with the indignation of an injured man. He was utterly, he said, lost, and his family would be utterly disgraced, For ruin must be the lot of his father, and exile or imprisonment must be his own, if she persisted in such unkind and unnatural conduct. Terror now bereft her of all speech or motion, till the letter, which Lionel had been beating about in his agitation without knowing or caring what he was doing, burst open, and some written papers fell to the floor, which she recognized for her own. Much amazed, she seized the cover, which had only been fastened by a wafer that was still wet, and saw a letter within it to herself, which she hastily read, while a paper that was enclosed dropped down and was caught by Lionel. "'To Miss Camilla Tyrold! Forgive, fairest Camilla, the work of the destinies. I came hither to see if illness detained you.' The papers, which I enclose from other curious eyes, caught mine by accident. The pathetic sisterly address has touched me. I have not the honour to know Mr. Lionel Tyrold. Let our acquaintance begin with an act of confidence on his part that must bind to him for ever his lovely sisters, most obedient and devoted, Sedley Clarendel." The loose paper picked up by Lionel was a draft upon a banker for two hundred pounds. While this, with speechless emotion, was perused by Camilla, Lionel, with unbounded joy, began jumping and skipping, leaping over every chair, and capering round and round the room in an ecstasy. "'My dearest Lionel,' cried she, when a little recovered, "'why such joy?' you cannot suppose it possible this can be accepted not accepted child do you think me out of my senses don't you see me freed from all my misfortunes at once and neither my father grieved nor my mother offended nor poor numps fleeced and when can you pay it and what do you mean to do and to whom will be the obligation weigh weigh a little all this Lionel heard her not, his rapture was too buoyant for attention, and he whisked everything out of its place from frantic merriment, till he put the apartment into so much disorder that it was scarce practicable to stir a step in it, now and then interrupting himself to make her low bows, scraping his feet all over the room, and obsequiously saying, "'My sister Clarendel!' how does your ladyship do? My dear Lady Clarendel, pray afford me your ladyship's countenance. Nothing could be less pleasant to Camilla than raillery which pointed out that, even by the unreflecting Lionel, this action could be ascribed to but one motive. The draft, however, had fallen into his hands, and neither remonstrance nor petition, neither representation of impropriety nor persuasion, could induce him to relinquish it. He would only dance, sing, and pay her grotesque homage till the coach stopped at the door, and then, ludicrously hoping her ladyship would excuse his leaving her for once to play the part of the housemaid in setting the room to rights, he sprang past them all and bound it down the hill. Mrs. Arlbery was much diverted by the confusion in the parlour, and Miss Dennell asked a thousand questions why the chairs and tables were all thrown down the china jars removed from the chimney-piece into the middle of the room and the sideboard apparatus put on the chimney-piece in their stead camilla was too confounded either to laugh or explain and hastily wishing them good-night retired to her chamber here in the extremest perturbation she saw the full extent of her difficulties, without perceiving any means of extrication. She had no hope of recovering the draft from Lionel, whom she had every reason to conclude already journeying from Tunbridge. What could she say the next day to Sir Sedley? How account for so sudden, so gross, an acceptance of pecuniary obligation? What interference might he not draw? and how could she undeceive him, while retaining so improper a mark of his dependence upon her favour? The displeasure she felt that he should venture to suppose she would owe him such a debt rendered but still more palpable the species of expectations it might authorise. To destroy this illusion occupied all her attention— except what was imperiously seized upon by regret of missing Edgar, with whom to consult was more than ever her wish. In this disturbed state, when she saw Mrs. Albury the next morning, her whole care was to avoid being questioned, and that lady, who quickly perceived her fears by her avoidance, took the first opportunity to say to her with a laugh, i see i must make no inquiries into the gambols of your brother last night but i may put together perhaps certain circumstances that may give me a little light to the business and if as i conjecture clarendel spoke out to him his wildest rioting is more rational than his sister's gravity camilla protested they had not conversed together at all nay then i own myself still in the dark but i observe that clarendel left the rooms at a very early hour and that your brother almost immediately followed camilla ventured not any reply and soon after retreated Mrs. Arlberry, in a few minutes pursuing her, laughingly, and with sportive reproach, accused her of intending to steal a march to the altar of Hymen, as she had just been informed by her maid that Sir Sedley had actually been at the house last night, during her absence. Camilla seriously assured her that she was in her chamber when he arrived, and had not seen him for what in the world then could he come he was sure i was not home for he had left me at the rooms camilla again was silent but her tingling cheeks proclaimed it was not for want of something to say mrs arlbery forbore to press the matter further but forbore it with a nod that implied i see how it is and a smile that published the pleasure and approbation which accompanied her self-conviction the vexation of Camilla would have prompted an immediate confession of the whole mortifying transaction had she not been endued with a sense of honour where the interests of others were concerned, that repressed her natural precipitance, and was more powerful even than her imprudence. She waited the greatest part of the morning in some little faint hope of seeing Lionel, but he came not, and she spent the rest of it with Mrs. Burlington. She anxiously wished to meet Edgar in the way, to apologize for her non-appearance the preceding evening, but this did not happen, and her concern was not lessened by reflecting upon the superior interest in her health and welfare marked by Sir Sedley, who had taken the trouble to walk from the rooms to Mount Pleasant to see what was become of her. She returned home, but barely in time to dress for dinner, and was not yet ready when she saw the carriage of the baronet drive up to the door. In the most terrible confusion how to meet him, what to say about the draft, how to mention her brother, whether to seem resentful of the liberty he had so unceremoniously taken, or thankful for its kindness, she had scarce the force to attire herself, nor, when summoned downstairs, to descend. This distress was but increased upon her entrance, by the sight and the behaviour of the baronet, whose address to her was so marked that it covered her with blushes, and whose air had an assurance that spoke a species of secret triumph. Offended as well as frightened, she looked every way to avoid him, or assumed a look of haughtiness when forced by any direct speech to answer him. She soon, however, saw, by his continued self-complacency, and even an increase of gaiety, that he only regarded this as coquetry or bashful embarrassment, since every time she attempted us to rebuff him, an arch smile stole over his features that displayed his different conception of her meaning." she now wished nothing so much as a prompt and positive declaration that she might convince him of his mistake and her rejection for this purpose she subdued her desire of retreat and spent the whole afternoon with mrs arlbery and the dennels in his company nevertheless when mrs arlbery who had the same object in view though with different conclusion contrived to draw her other guests out of the apartment and to leave her alone with sir sedley Modesty and shame both interfered with her desire of an explanation, and she was hastily retiring. But the baronet, in a gentle voice, called after her, "'Are you going?' "'Yes. I have forgotten something.' He rose to follow her, with a motion that seemed purporting to take her hand, but, gliding quickly on, she prevented him, and was almost at the same moment in her own chamber. With augmented severity she now felt the impropriety of an apparent acceptance of so singular and unpleasant an obligation, which obviously misled Sir Sedley to believe her at his command. Shocked in her delicacy, and stung in her best notions of laudable pride, she could not rest without destroying this humiliating idea, and resolved to apply to Edgar for the money, and to pay the Baronet the next day her objections to betraying the extravagance of Lionel, though great and sincere, yielded to the still more dangerous evil of letting Sir Sedley continue in an error that might terminate in branding her, in his opinion, with a character of inconsistency or duplicity. Edgar, too, so nearly a brother to them both, would guard the secret of Lionel better in all probability than he would guard it himself and could draw no personal inferences from the trust and obligation, when he found its sole incitement was sooner to owe an obligation to a ward of her father than to a new acquaintance of her own. Pleased at the seeming necessity of an application that would lead so naturally to a demand of the counsel she languished to claim, she determined not to suffer, Sir Sedley, to wait even another minute under his mistake but since she now could speak of returning the money to take courage for meeting what might either precede or ensue in a conference down therefore she went but as she opened the parlour door she heard sir sedley say to mrs albury who had just entered before her oh fie fie you know she will be cruel to excruciation you know me destined to despair to the last degree camilla whose so speedy reappearance was the last sight he expected was too far advanced to retreat and the resentment that tinged her whole complexion shewed she had heard what he said and had heard it with an application the most offensive an immediate sensibility to his own impertinence now succeeded in its vain display he looked not merely concerned but contrite and, in a voice softened nearly to timidity, attempted a general conversation, but kept his eyes, with an anxious expression, almost continually fixed upon hers. Anger with Camilla was a quick but short-lived sensation, and this sudden change in the baronet from conceit to respect produced a change equally sudden in herself from disdain to inquietude. Though mortified in the first moment by his vanity, it was less seriously painful to her than any belief that under it was couched a disposition towards a really steady regard. With Mrs. Arlberry she was but slightly offended, though certain she had been assuring him of all the success he could demand, her way of thinking upon the subject had been openly avowed, and she did justice to the kindness of her motives. No opportunity, however, arose to mention the return of the draft— Mrs. Arlbery saw displeasure in her air, and, not doubting she had heard what had dropped from Sir Sedley, thought the moment unfavourable for a -a tete-a-tete, and resolutely kept her place, till Camilla herself, weary of useless waiting, left the room. Following her then to her chamber my dear miss tyrold she cried do not let your extreme youth stand in the way of all your future life a baronet rich young and amiable is upon the very point of becoming your slave for ever yet because you discover him to be a little restive in the last agonies of his liberty you are eager in the high-flown disdain of juvenile susceptibility to cast him and his fortune away as if both were such every-day baubles that you might command or reject them without thought of future consequence indeed no dear Madame, i am not actuated by pride or anger I owe too much to Sir Sedley to feel either above a moment, even where I think them pardon me, justly excited. But I should ill pay my debt by accepting a lasting attachment, where certain I can return nothing but lasting, eternal, unchangeable indifference. You sacrifice, then, both him and yourself to the fanciful delicacy of a first love? no indeed cried she blushing i have no thought at all but of this single life and i sincerely hope sir sedley has no serious intentions towards me for my obligations to him are so infinite i should be cruelly hurt to appear to him ungrateful you would appear to him i confess a little surprising said mrs arlbery laughing for diffidence certainly is not his weak part However, with all his foibles, he is a charming creature, and prepossession only can blind you to his merit. Camilla again denied the charge, and strove to prevail with her to undeceive the baronet from any false expectations. But she protested she would not be accessory to so much after repentance, and left her. The business now wore a very serious aspect to Camilla. Mrs. Arlbury avowed she thought Sir Sedley in earnest, and he knew she had herself heard him speak with security of his success. The bullfinch had gone far, but the draught seemed to have riveted the persuasion. The bird it was now impossible to return till her departure from Tunbridge, but she resolved not to defer another moment putting upon her brother alone the obligation of the draught, to stop the further progress of such dangerous inference. Hastily, therefore, she wrote to him the following note. To Sir Sedley Clarendel, Bart. Sir, some particular business compelled my brother so abruptly to quit Tunbridge, that he could not have the honour to first wait upon you with his thanks for the loan you so unexpectedly put into his hands. By mine, however, all will be restored to-morrow morning, except his gratitude for your kindness." I am, sir, in both our names, your obliged, humble servant, Camilla Tyrold, Mount Pleasant, Thursday evening." She now waited till she was summoned downstairs to the carriage, and then gave her little letter to a servant, whom she desired to deliver it to Sir Sedley's man. Sir Sedley did not accompany them to the rooms, but promised to follow. Camilla, on her arrival with palpitating pleasure, looked round for Edgar. She did not, however, see him. She was accosted directly by the Major, who, as usual, never left her, and whose assiduity to seek her favour seemed increased. She next joined Mrs. Burlington, but still she saw nothing of Edgar. Her eyes incessantly looked towards the door, but the object they sought never met them. When Sir Sedley entered, he joined the group of Mrs. Berlinton. Camilla tried to look at him, and to speak to him with her customary civility and cheerfulness, and nearly succeeded, while in him she observed only an expressive attention without any marks of presumption. Thus began and thus ended the evening. Edgar never appeared. Camilla was in the utmost amaze and deepest vexation. Why did he stay away? Was his wrath so great at her own failure the preceding night that he purposely avoided her? What also could she do with Sir Sedley? How meet him the next morning without the draft she had now promised? In this state of extreme chagrin, when she retired to her chamber, she found the following letter upon her table. "'To Miss Camilla Tyrold, can you think of such a trifle?' or deem wealth so truly contemptible as to deny it all honourable employment ah rather enchanting camilla deign further to aid me in dispensing it worthily sedley clarendel camilla was now touched penetrated and distressed beyond what she had been in any former time she looked upon this letter as a positive intimation of the most serious designs and all his good qualities, as painted by Mrs. Arlbery, with the very singular obligation she owed to him, rose up formidably to support the arguments and remonstrances of that lady, though every feeling of her heart, every sentiment of her mind, and every wish of her soul opposed their smallest weight. End of chapter 15